Welcome to Carolina True Crime, a podcast presented by WMBF News in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where we take a deep dive into infamous crimes from the Carolinas, some with clear endings and others where mystery remains. Ashley Talley, News Director at WMBF News, and today, again, I'm talking with our reporter and now anchor, Patrick Lloyd. Um, Patrick, you told us a lot of the story of Velma Barfield, also known as Death Row Granny, in our last episode. Where we stopped, I think, was that her fiancé, Stuart, had just died and they had just asked for an autopsy. Can you give us just a quick recap on the other people that had died in around her? Yeah, so a lot of family members who she was close with and a lot of people who she was close with who were not related to her as well. So she had uh, poisoned a bunch of people who were very close to her, people like uh, her mother, for example, and then also people who uh, she would caretake for. So there were people who, these old folks, who she would go and basically live with them take care of them, and they just mysteriously die. do just the opposite of taking care of them. Exactly, yeah. yeah. She would not take care of them at all. So several people who she was closely involved with, and the latest of her victims was uh, Stuart, her fiancé. So this is where the story really starts to get interesting, as if it wasn't interesting right, enough already. Right, yeah. So up until this point, there had really been no definitive proof as far as what had really happened to these people. Everyone who was involved with all of these people said, wow, this is just so unlucky. It seems like everyone Velma is near just died. Right, just a horrible coincidence, if horrible anything. Horrible coincidences. That's and even exactly. if they suspected, there was no proof of anything. Right, there was no proof. That's what. That's the thing, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but Velma was just so good at hiding everything that she did. And that also maybe goes back to the whole death row granny. Like, she was a grandma, right? She's she older. Was. She was, like, uh, you know, taking care of people. So, And that persona really uh, plays a huge role later on in the story once she ends up in prison as well. And we'll get to that in a second here. But um, how this all started as far as Velma being a suspect in all of these deaths was um, a Lumberton police officer randomly got a phone call in the middle of the night one night. Ooh. It was from this woman who... You know, he did, she wouldn't identify herself. She just said, there's someone who's going around and poisoning a bunch of people in Lumberton, in Robeson County. Uh-huh. And naturally, this sparks the curiosity of uh, the police department. So they do a little bit more digging. They can't really get so that's Sorry, lot. that's all this person said. They didn't say who. They didn't say. They didn't they say just who said, it was. They didn't say somebody who poisoning. they were. They didn't identify yeah. themselves. And so they, you know, the police obviously had to work to get a little bit of more information out of this person. She reluctantly kind of gave more the more they talked to her and eventually she said yeah this Velma Barfield is who is uh responsible for all of this so they call Velma in and uh you know start questioning her and Velma at first you know plays plays the victim as she always Uh does throughout all of her life she says I don't know what's going on I don't know what's happening what is this all about eventually they get her to admit they get her to confess to multiple killings they get her to confess that she poisoned multiple people. Wow. Yeah, a huge revelation, a huge discovery here. That's so interesting that this all came from this one anonymous phone call. Do we know who made that phone call? We do. Oh, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me now. I'll tell you later. Okay, so so after that, you know, obviously she's, uh, she's put in jail here, and this is where it starts to get tough for Velma's family, you know, because like we talked about, she's a grandmother, you know, she's got a bunch of family members, and 
they all know her as... The ones that are still alive. Right, the ones <laughs> that she hasn't killed off, the ones that she yeah. hasn't poisoned. And so the people who are still close with her, you know, they know that she's been going through a lot because she's just had this horrible addiction for almost her whole life. Right. And they still love her. You know, they, they can hardly believe that this actually happened. It's they real, yeah. They can hardly believe that she admitted to it as well. Mm -hmm. So she's behind bars and the whole trial process ends up happening and um she has a public defender she can't afford you know a private attorney so the public defender um takes her to court takes her to trial and it's um it's an intense trial they, this is in robinson county they have in it. robinson county yeah mm -hmm. and uh the prosecutor by the way joe freeman Britt was his name Brit is the last exactly, name yeah, oh. of the current prosecutor. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I don't know for sure. Off the actually, top of my he just head. retired. Did last he really? Year. Yeah. There's a new guy. But. So that's I, I actually noticed that in a story we did recently where I saw Brit as the last name of the prosecutor. I bet they're related. Said, Absolutely, that's they've got to be related. That's so really that that's a whole other. That's a whole different interesting story. Interesting little sidebar there, yeah. but this uh, Joe Freeman Brit is notorious for being. He was at the time anyway being the deadliest prosecutor in the country. Mm. This guy sent more people to death row than anyone in the entire country. Wow. His conviction rate was off the chain. I think he he was either perfect or maybe one away as far as, you know, conviction guilty convictions rates. and then a lot of those ended up on death row as well. Wow. So this guy ruthless in the courtroom and he showed that throughout the trial. He um No mercy for Granny. No mercy for Granny because in his mind this was a ruthless killer. A serial killer, even. A serial killer. This is someone who took the lives of multiple innocent, innocent people. people who didn't deserve to die. And so he knew that his job was to put this woman on death row. Mm -hmm. He didn't care about the fact that she was a grandmother. And what did he talk about when it came to motive? Was well, it just money for her addiction? Well, yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. He talked about how she was so addicted and that, you know... And it was seemed, to pills, right? Right. It was to prescription pills. Which is, we talked about last time, but you don't think about this back in the... 70s, right. whenever this was, you know, you think it's such a problem now, but I guess yeah. it's been a problem. And it was a huge problem for Velma. And so, you know, obviously this, this whole, um, this idea of, you know, I need to get money for my drugs. And so, you know, if, if I'll some do people, yeah, if some people get in my way of doing that, they're out of here. That yeah. was Velma's thinking, according to the prosecutor, Joe Freeman Britt. And so he was ruthless. He was merciless. He would, um, you know, yell out there in the trial, in the, um, the courtroom mm -hmm. to make sure that the jury knew how intense he was and how how guilty he thought that she was mm -hmm. so to make the trial a bit of a short story she ends up guilty but there's also the sentencing phase okay well before that do we know what her lawyer argued like do yeah, we know so what her defense good, was good question so her lawyer argued that um she basically had no knowledge or she didn't have the um Competency. She didn't know right from wrong because she was so messed up on these pills. Ah. That was their defense. And so they said she was, you know, so dependent on these pills, she wasn't who she actually was as a person when she was on these pills. Because she had confessed. It wasn't like they could say that, you know, deny that she did it. Yeah. So there, they went to, she basically was out of her mind. She was. That's, that's what they Almost argued. like yeah. temporary insanity, but it's because of the drugs. Right. Got so it. So that's what they argued. Jury didn't go for that. Um, they found her guilty. And then that was just phase one of the trial because mm -hmm. there was a whole separate trial just for the sentencing so they right. had to basically go through the whole process and the defense went up there and they said look we're not saying that she's you know guilty or not guilty because we've already been through that part of the trial yeah. she's, she's guilty but what we're asking for is that you spare her life we uh -huh. want to give her life in prison rather than the death penalty yeah look at her she's old she's, she's... an old grandmother she's got grandkids she's got kids yeah who, you don't know... do this to her family maybe yeah that's that's what the whole argument was um 
And that was another unsuccessful attempt. The jury ended up deciding that she would be sentenced to death. Really? And this is particularly interesting, and we touched on this a little bit in the last podcast, but a woman on death row is very rare just to start off. And then the fact that it's a grandmother, again, death row granny, that's what really makes people interested in this case because it's just so rare to have a woman, much less a grandmother, on Particularly an older woman, yeah. An older woman, Like, I wonder, this is probably, don't know this, but I wonder if they, like, had to house her in a different place than the other death row people? Uh, I don't believe so, but um, she spent a lot of time alone when she was in prison, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, But she did interact with a lot of the other inmates while she was in jail and prison. So she actually um, ended up, finding Jesus while she was in prison, which... Imagine that. Yeah, you know the old saying, it's there's no such thing as an atheist on death row. Right, right. So she uh, becomes kind of a mentor to these women who are in prison. And huh. she, you know, educates them on Jesus Christ and, you know, teaches them... So she was this. on... She must have been on death row for a while. She was on death row for a long time. and uh, as, as happens. As Because of the appeal process. Uh, exactly. And so originally after the trial, her execution date was scheduled for very shortly after the trial, but how the process always works is, you know, there's appeal after appeal and there's, you know, yeah. there, maybe there's hope that we can keep Last her alive. minute, call the governor, clemency, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and that was a huge part of this case was the, the governor and the clemency issue because this case, um, by the time she had been on death row for a long time, it gained a lot of national attention. So mm. there was a reporter with a newspaper in North Carolina who decided to do a story on this poor grandmother who's mm-hmm. on death row does she deserve to die? The headline of the title, I believe, was Does This Woman Deserve to Die? Wow. And that's how the whole press um, issue arose in the first place, and it just blew up nationally from there. Uh-huh. So the article talked about, here's this woman, this poor grandmother who's on death row. Yeah, she did something horrible, but she was messed up on drugs. Does she deserve to die because of this? You know, she's still got a family. She's turned her life around while she's in prison. Right. I can't help but think if it's some... Um young junkie on the street do they say the same thing you know right that's a good question yeah would they say the same why why does her drug habit why she absolved because of her age i don't know anyway yeah i mean that's a good point yeah you never know what could end up being the case with that but that's that was a huge you know part of what a lot of people were drawn to was the fact that this was an old grandmother absolutely so the press coverage started blowing up from there and okay. it's fascinating i did a lot of um, research on youtube on this you can find a bunch of interviews that she really did on, on video on camera on video on camera she did a bunch of interviews and her her daughter says um in the book she talks about how even after the conviction after she's been on death row all these years she can see the manipulative side in mm. her mother during these interviews you know really? just, just the the way that she tried to manipulate these reporters I'm just an old sweet southern lady exactly. poor me wow that's yeah. so interesting it is interesting because her own daughter was recognizing that you know realizing yeah. that you know maybe my mother isn't the person who we thought she was in the first place and now i'm realizing who she really is because even when she's off these drugs you know she's acting all manipulative right yeah maybe this is just part of her character okay i have to ask was it the daughter who made the phone call no it was was, uh her sister oh yeah almost as close yeah wow yeah so she's the one who ended up making the call to police about saying you know there's Mm -hmm. someone going around poisoning a bunch of people yeah um a quick side note here so how she poisoned people because that's kind of interesting yeah i wanted to know that so she got it just off the shelf in stores. What was it? Rat poison. <gasps> oh. It was just poison to kill rats around the, the farm, around the and barn, around the house. And would she put it in food she or drink? put it in or... people's tea, yeah. 
and their sweet tea. Stuff. Yeah, she would just make tea for them. Here's, oh here's my your tea. gosh! And it was just uh, this tastes a little funny, Granny. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Could you imagine? No. Your grandmother doing that to you. It's crazy. Or your mother or whoever. Right. Crazy story, but um, so let's get into a little bit more about her time um, on death row. So again, the press coverage starts to just absolutely blow up from here. There's uh, TV news stations, newspapers from all over the country who are coming over to do this story about this grandmother, and it gains a lot of national attention. And so and so it turns into these uh, these protests and these um, you know demonstrations. These really. People, wanting to try to save death row granny's life. Save death row granny's life. Had there been women put to death in North Carolina before this? That's a good question that I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I'd like to look that up. Yeah, but this, um, like I say, it just gains so much attention because this poor grandmother, and and like we talked about, when she would go on these TV interviews, you know, poor me, what was me, death row granny. How can you look at this and think you want to kill this woman? right? Right, and so that's what the whole national conversation became about. So... This was a time where the North Carolina governor was up for re-election soon, and it mm-hmm. was contentious in terms of, you know, this, whatever decision he ended up making in terms of the clemency, would he spare her life or would he put her to death? Could affect his re-election. Could hugely affect his yeah. re-election. Because Either while, way. Right. Because while a lot of people were protesting in favor of saying, you know, let's, let's Save spare her life, spare her life uh-huh. a lot of people were on the other side, too, and said she's a cold-blooded killer, let's send her to death row, you know, yeah. stick the needle in her, call it a day. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a huge part of the, the process was the governor and, you know, him having to make up his mind as far as what he wanted to end up doing. Before we get to that, one quick thing here. Um, while she was in prison, there were still a few question marks about a couple deaths mm. that she... How many? I think it was five total. We let's talk, let's see. Stewart. Stewart. Her um, mother. Her mother, um, her original husband, Thomas Burke. That died in the fire? That died in the fire. So that, that that's, I'm glad you brought that up because that was something that was a question mark. Wishy-washy, yeah. Uh-huh. So while she was on death row, her uh, son, Ronnie, you know, said, look, mom. I gotta know. I gotta know. Did this, you know, did you do this? And her answer for that was probably. <gasps> She didn't know whether she actually started the fire. She claims anyway. She, she she never completely admitted, yes, I set the house on fire to kill him or whatever the case may be. But, but I she, probably did. She probably did is what she said. Isn't that interesting? And that almost goes back to her lawyer's defense that she wasn't in her right mind a lot of the time. Right, yeah. You know, maybe she probably like didn't literally didn't know whether she, she had or not. That could be the case because, like we talked about, she supposedly you know turned her life around while she was in prison right. like a lot of people on death row did. But maybe... Right. That was just her honest answer. Yeah. Um, there was also a question mark regarding one of the uh, the women who she was well the, the wife the wife of, of the one old of man. The guy, yeah, mm-hmm. that she was taking care of, and she did admit to Ronnie while she was in prison that she did poison her too. Okay, so that's first husband, mother, Stuart, old lady, old man. I think I have. Okay, so admitted killings here. Lily, that is um, that's her mother. Okay. John Henry Lee, one of the guys that she was taking care of. Dolly Edwards, that's the woman that she was taking care of. And then uh, Stuart Taylor. Her fiancé. Her fiancé. Okay. So that's four. And then there was also the first husband that she said probably. That's Thomas Burke is a probably. And then Jennings Barfield. Oh, yeah. That was her her second husband. Yes. Yeah, Jennings Barfield was a probably. So. Huh. I think I'm a little bit confused on the. um, So maybe it wasn't one of the wives. Of one of the guys that she was killing. That was the question mark. I have in here. It was Lily, John Henry Lee, Dolly Edwards, Stuart Taylor, and then probably was Jennings Barfield and Thomas Burke. 
So that's what we have. Okay. So, um, anyway, regardless, it's it's a whole lot of admitted killings and a couple probablys as well. And all, you know, when you think about serial killers, I think about it's people they don't know. It's it's a dispassionate. These are all people who are close to her that mm-hmm. she was with every day. Mm-hmm. It makes it more disturbing to me. And in a different way too, you know, a lot of times when you think of serial killers, you think of you know maybe strangling, violent, or, yeah, violent, yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. This was undercover it was hands uh, off sort of yeah Yeah. i mean she would just buy this rat poison off the shelf and and put it in people's tea have you ever seen the play or the movie um arsenic on old lace no oh you gotta look at you gotta watch that side note (laughs) yeah and i'm glad you actually brought that up because arsenic is what was in the rat that's what that was the poison yeah so while she's on death row um you know there's these um these other admissions coming out there's um a whole lot of other um you know stuff going on regarding the national attention the media Mm -hmm. attention and, and so it really comes down around. to the governor's decision. It comes down to the governor. And uh, he ends up deciding that he is going to keep her on death row and he's going to have her... Let her be executed. Right, let her be executed. So that was the final decision. Huge controversy regarding that because, again, a lot of people were split on that. Mm-hmm. So finally it came down to her execution day. And, um, you know, it's 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 really... <laughs> it's funny because we I'm thinking about both sides here, you know, because, again, we've got... A lot of these people who, I mean, think about the victims, you know, the victims are the ones who are really hurting here, Yeah. but you've also got a family that's ripped apart because of these drugs and because of this mother, this grandmother who just made some horrible decisions. Yeah. So, but can you imagine being the grandchild who probably didn't know her very well? Cause you know, she was on drugs and then she was in jail probably a lot of their life and thinking, wow, the state is going to electrocute my grandmother. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's the, that's another thing is you know, her grandkids would come and visit her in prison. Really? Which is just so, you know, it, it, it sucks oh. to think about. And there was uh, one of the one of the news stories that I watched on YouTube, actually, you can pull it up mm-hmm. if you want. It, it shows that video of, of her playing with her grandkids. I think it was on Easter Sunday. Oh, my god. Where they gosh. come in in their Easter dresses, and she's playing with her grandkids, you know, in the, in the prison, yeah. waiting, the visiting room. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's, and it is something different about her being a woman. Yeah. Like, I, there are plenty of people on death row probably that have grandchildren, but they're men, and for some reason it just feels different. It is, and it is. And, th- and that's another thing, is she didn't really have a violent history. You know, what, what do mm-hmm. we see a lot of times in male serial killers is a history of... Abuse. You know, rapes or, um, yeah. you, know, you know, violent, gun violence, whatever the case right. may be. This woman had no... You know, her her worst thing on her record was fake checks. Right, you right, know, that right. Was, that was Forging the worst checks, thing about yeah. her, but... Little did people know she was actually a cold-blooded killer. Mm. So um, it comes down to a, a lot of the the uh, the process when it came to delaying her execution. You know, her lawyer. She ended up getting a new lawyer, actually, um, not not the public defender, and he did a good job of continually delaying the execution, getting a stay of execution over and over. It took a long time. It took years for her to actually end up being executed. But one point that's interesting in the book that I read about this case is that. Um, a lot of times, for most of the time, her kids, especially Ronnie, her son, was fighting so hard to keep her alive. He really? just wanted his mom alive. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he didn't want to see her die. You know, that that was a killing to him, was the state you right. know, putting her to death. That it's was that a whole thing that, um, how do you say that killing somebody is wrong by killing them? Right, you yeah, know? it's the whole eye for an eye right. kind of mindset. Yeah. And he had a problem with that. He had a, you know, especially because it's his mother, of course. But I remember at one point throughout the book, it talks about how Ronnie and his sister, eventually, they just decided, let's just get this over with. There have been so many stays of execution, 
We just don't want to... We don't want to fight anymore. We don't want to fight anymore. You can only imagine how emotionally exhausting it would have been. Oh, are you kidding me? Over all of those years Years and years. And And you know what? Their father was also one of the victims, too. I mean, it had to have been mixed feelings. Yeah. So... Um, it, it, it was so many stays of execution and just like you said, so emotionally exhausting on these kids, these poor, you know, the, the children of her. And then they have kids at this point too. So they just finally say at one point, you know, let's just get this over with mom. You know, I don't, I don't want to, she fought till literally the end of, you know, yeah. the end of her life. She wanted to stay alive as long as possible. And she was kind of disappointed to hear that. Her kids kids were saying, you know, let's let's just get this over with. But they just couldn't take because the thing is, when you apply for, you know, an appeal Mm -hmm. to see if you can get it, it takes a long time to hear back about that. Right. And that waiting was really what just killed her kids inside. I'm sure they just couldn't bear it. Well, it's like you're preparing yourself and you're and you're you're girding yourself to for it to happen. And then it keeps not happening. And you have no you idea what they're going to say. The, you know, they, the next they time. have no idea what the outcome's going to be every single time. So yeah. eventually it was just enough for them. They just couldn't deal with it. They I'm just sure. said, I get um, it. let's just not even fight this anymore. Let's just get this over with. Mm-hmm. You know, your time has come. It's going to happen eventually because we keep on trying and it's just not working. Yeah. So eventually they, you know, they stopped trying and they, there, there really wasn't much that they could do at that point because, mm-hmm. you know, the governor had already said, you know, it's happening. Yeah. And so she was executed. Electrocuted? She was, uh, I believe it was... Um, yeah, uh, injection. Would, yeah, lethal injection. injection. Lethal injection, yeah. yeah. And what year? Do you know? Early 80s? It was either early 80s or late 70s. It was around there. Okay. Yeah, it was around there. Super interesting. You don't have any idea of what happened to your family afterwards, do you? No. How they're doing? Not really. I, I mean, I know um, I had seen stuff about how, you know, I mean, obviously for this book that I read, you know, this, he, he was doing, you know, her son was doing interviews about it years right. later. But I'm sure that he probably, well, you know, now that I do think about it, it did mention about how Ronnie had gotten just into a really bad place after her death. He was just, mm. I mean, uh, you know, you can obviously imagine that. And he had kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. Eventually, mm-hmm. I think he came back to terms with reality and came back to his you know his family members but I mean obviously I mean think about that you know if your mother is uh you know a, a killer killed, yeah yeah and, <laughs> and you then have to she's go killed that. and I mean yeah it's just I, I can't imagine yeah um well thank you very much Patrick for telling us about Death Row Granny thanks for having me Thank you for listening to Carolina True Crime, a podcast presented by WMBF News. To learn more about the story you heard here and other mysteries and crimes from across the Carolinas, go to our website, wmbfnews.com.